Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things NFL, college football, and NFL Draft. Today we're going to be talking about the final division, and that is the NFC West, Seattle Seahawks, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Arizona Cardinals. All very exciting teams, probably the most competitive division in the NFL. But first and foremost, Nick, how's your Friday going? Going well here, talking, uh, talking some football. Things are heating up, Michael. We got uh, a lot going on here with with mini camps and whatnot. Uh, and the storyline now is just that Aaron Rodgers is not in mini camp, and it seems that Jordan Love is is doing pretty well, from what we can tell. Yeah, there's been some rumors going around about what Rodgers really wants out of this Packers situation, whether it's an extension to really commit to him as his lifelong, career-long, whatever uh, spot with the Packers at QB, or if it's going to be a situation where, you know, he just ultimately forces his way out. We've heard a lot of rumors on both sides. I think for Rodgers himself, he wants to be committed to for the rest of his career, or at least for a much longer period of time. So personally, I feel like they're going to find a way to resolve this, but at the same time, the Packers drafted Jordan Love for a reason. And if they feel that he's the guy that they want as their starting QB eventually, then we could see Rodgers on the move sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think this is I think Rodgers is back for this season, but I think that's it. Unless like they win the Super Bowl, because that's a really, really tough sell to your your fans like, hey, win the Super Bowl, moving on from our quarterback. It's tough. Uh, but I think I think he's gonna play this year just because I, I think the fact is that you know the Packers they're gonna call his bluff. And if he sits out for the year, well, then they got Jordan Love playing anyway. And they have all the power here, the Packers. They got Jordan Love. So if Roger wants to sit out for the year, do the Carson Palmer type of thing, then they can trade him whenever they want. And they'll see who's really bad this season. And they can maximize the draft capital there. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation because right now, as we know it, this QB class is not necessarily as heavy in terms of top-end talent, you know, there's great weapons in this class. Well, great QBs in this class. Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, you know, there's options. But at the same time, no one's really blowing the rest of the competition away to where they're just a solidified top QB that's going to really help out this franchise change and become reversed almost in their trajectory. So Rodgers enters the situation, and I think he very much is worth top-end first-round picks. So while maybe the number one team isn't going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, we could see a team that's still picking top five, top ten, very much in play to try to get Aaron Rodgers into their organization. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think right now, if you're looking just purely based on who's got the most picks at this point, I would say the Giants would be able to put together the best package for Aaron Rodgers. But everything we're hearing is, well, A, the Packers are not trading Rodgers, but B, if they did, they don't want to trade him to the NFC. So, you know, they, we saw the formula of Brett Favre. They sent him to the Jets for a year. He ends up with the Vikings anyway. But if you're looking at AFC teams, you know, look around at the teams right now that, you know, potentially would need a quarterback. Maybe, you know, they're, they're not – they don't have that much draft capital or they're in some salary cap issues. Or, you know, just look around. They have say a lot of teams, you know, they have what they feel it could be their uh, franchise QB or at least someone they're comfortable with. So they want to blow that up to bring in Rodgers for a few years. I don't know. You know, the Broncos are going to be interested in that. But 
you know, if the Broncos are picking like 17th with their first round pick, is that really going to be good enough in the Packers' eyes to get, you know, maximum value for Rodgers? Or at that point, do they say, you know what, we'll suck it up. We'll same trade him to the NFC. We're going to have to play him, but at least we're going to get multiple first round picks for him. Yeah, and in the same breath, Deshaun Watson is still available to teams to potentially entertain bringing into their roster. I know there's some off-field situations that go on with that, but at the moment, you know, nothing's happened to where he's still very much in play for a lot of teams, and there's been rumors that he's kind of opened up his teams that he's willing to join as well. So that could potentially be an interesting play that really, with right. this upcoming offseason, if, if things were to happen, it could be some big yeah. fireworks. And I think we'll – here again next next offseason about Russell Wilson. I think there's going to continue to be whispers on that because the fact of the matter is we've been hearing this every offseason, really. This year was just more publicized. And the Seahawks, to me, I don't think they're at the level where they can compete for a championship. So, well, new offensive coordinator, which Wilson wasn't really too happy about here. So if they don't get along, I think we'll continue to, to hear some Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson whispers next year. Yeah, and it doesn't even stop there. You know, Matt Ryan seems like he could very easily be traded as well. There's other options. Jimmy Garoppolo is likely going to be on a new team. We could see someone who's maybe in a Derek Carr situation where if they have a bad season, they may really look to try to get younger overall on the roster and in turn just try to trade Carr for the most capital as possible to – really get this roster rebuilt. So, you know, there's going to be guys that are available and it's going to be very interesting to see all the QBs that go to new places after this past season or up this upcoming season, I should say. Absolutely. Then we saw Hunter Henry, little minor injury, but it seems to be okay. Michael, I think Hunter Henry is going to be crucial to the Patriots offensive success this season. Yeah. They drafted two rookie tight ends last year. Um, obviously with the, Condensed offseason and just overall production over the season, it just wasn't enough to sell them on it. So Bill went to the free agency market, went and got John New Smith, went and got Hunter Henry. So now these are two really solidified stars, but Hunter Henry comes with some question marks just in terms of durability. You know, obviously the Patriots were fine with Gronk's durability issues, but at the same time, it had some times where it hurt them. So Hunter Henry, maybe not the same level of Gronk, but at the same time, has some of the same benefits, but also risk factor as well. So the Patriots are going to have to play that very safely in order to make sure Henry is available for the season. All right. Preseason schedule came out. We got Pittsburgh versus Dallas. The Hall of Fame game, August 5th. I know it'll be locked in. They'll be the only te- two teams playing four games in the preseason, we'll see absolutely no real starters in that game. You're not going to see Dak. You won't see me back, Big Ben. So it's going to be on NBC, 8 p.m. prime time. Michael, I'm sure you'll be locked in. But what are you what are you expecting from, from this preseason? We had no preseason games last year. Only three games this year. I think we're barely going to see any starters at all this preseason. Perhaps a little bit in the, the second game, but that's it. Yeah, what I'm expecting is to see a lot of the lower-end guys drafted last year really kind of show out in this preseason. A lot of them were given such a limited opportunity but still got the now advantage almost of having a whole season without it really being held entirely against them. 
So now they come into this preseason with the experience, with the advantage of knowing a lot of the schemes very easily because of all the training and mental film watching that just goes into the process. So now, you know, I think that we're going to see some one-year guys really step up and really show out and then make a name for themselves as these preseason hype trains. Not as many UDFAs this year due to the smaller draft class size. So I think we're going to see a lot of guys from last year that will really kind of steal the show this year in the preseason. Now, there's other news here. Kyle Long, who the Chiefs are trying to factor in big time into their offensive line here, suffered a leg injury. So he could keep him out of training camp. That's not good, especially, you know, going into, you know, something where they're, they're banking on this guy as a comeback player and he would have been big for them if, if he plays up to his caliber. If you're, if you're the Chiefs, how worried are you about the offensive line? You know, honestly, with the offensive line talent that the Kansas City Chiefs have, I'm not super worried about it because, you know, you got Creed Humphrey at center, Austin Wiley at the guard spot, Joe Tooney as well. And then at the tackle spots, you are able to bring in Orlando Brown, Lucas Niang. I'm not worried about it. I think this team is just absolutely stacked on the offensive line. I understand that some people maybe aren't as confident in, you know, the younger players like Niang, maybe Trey Smith as a backup guy, or they think Mike Remmers is going to be starting. And maybe that right tackle spot is the question mark of this offensive line, but on the interior, I'm very comfortable with all the talent that they have there. Duvernay Tardif and Trey Smith as depth. I think it's absolutely wonderful. No doubt about it. Now, Baltimore native Todd Gurley visit with the Ravens yesterday. Uh, doesn't really seem like there's much interest anywhere else other than the Lions, who he visited with. What do you think, Todd Gurley? Anything left in the tank? It's tough to say. It's really sad to see what happened to Gurley because he was one of the best running backs in the league, probably the best for a good three years, and then just things start to not happen for him. You know, the arthritis in his knee started acting up, and in turn, a lot of these great plays that he was making turned into just kind of short yardage carries, not doing a lot. He has still some smarts as a running back that I think is valuable to any running back room, but I'm not sure if Gurley's ever going to be someone that you rely on as you're starting running back anymore. Right. And the Ravens, they just gave a two-year extension to Gus Edwards. So he, he's their main guy there. I don't really see how he'd fit in there. Perhaps he goes to Detroit. You know, look, last year they were running Adrian Peterson nonstop. What's doing Adrian Peterson, Michael? Are we going to see him play this year? I'm sure he's going to end up somewhere. I'm sure he ends up somewhere just because that's the AP way. But at the same time, you know, I think there's plenty of young running backs in this league, and it's just kind of a sign of the times that we're – really getting on to this new generation. You know, in Baltimore, they got J.K. Dobbins, and it kind of forced Mark Ingram out. In Detroit, they have DeAndre Swift. In Los Angeles, they have Cameron Akers. There's just so many talented guys all around. But I could see someone like the Chiefs maybe bringing in Peterson or Todd Gurley. I I could say it. I mean, they did it last year midseason with Bell. And, you know, what does that say about Clyde edwards Land? Maybe they are potentially regretting that pick at the end of the first round last year. What do you think? I think that he was definitely disappointing for what the expectations were. You know, he had some issues as a overall running back, but at the same time, I think he's still going to continue to progress a little bit, be worth the pick, but I, I could see them bring in, you know, Adrian Peterson as a nice little platoon type back yeah. where he's getting a few carries here and there just to lighten the load. Yeah, I think it would, I think it would be a good fit for sure. 
Now, Amari Cooper seems like he might not be ready for training camp. He's resting. Uh, he had an ankle injury. Now, the Cowboys here, they kind of resurrected Cooper's career, I would say. I would say it was tending, trending towards a bad way with the Raiders. You know, get pays, gets paid now. And Ezekiel Elliott, he's not what he used to be. So how crucial for the Cowboys' success offensively, we talked about it a little bit last week, is go is the passing game going to be, especially here, you know, with Dak coming back from such a gruesome injury? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but Dak is definitely going to be the star of the show. I think Zeke is going to have a much better season this year just because I think with that healthy offensive line, things are going to really get back to flowing with that with that Cowboys offense. But at the same time, you know, you need this wide receiver core to really show out because that's the strength of this team. You have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and then C.D. Lamb, who really had an impressive rookie season given the context behind it with all the injuries that were going on on the offensive line that was limiting the run game. Andy Dalton, you know, at QB instead of Dak. While Dalton's fine, a serviceable starter, I think with the situation at hand, with the injuries on the offensive line, the limited time to really – set back and make his throws, it hurt what Lamb would have done in terms of production. So now with this upcoming season, I think you're going to see some very big games out of CeeDee Lamb and overall a very big season to where he really establishes himself as a top wide receiver in this league. Be interesting to see. You know, you're talking about the young talent passing the, passing the guard here for the the older generation. Now, Julio Jones, we know he's with the Titans here, so – Let's focus on the you know the Falcons here for a moment. Calvin Ridley, who's missing minicamp with an injury for surgery, is he ready? Is he going to be able to to be that number one wide receiver that they're hoping to be? Oh, I think absolutely. You know, while Julio is a phenomenal talent and someone that will never be forgotten in the Atlanta sports history, I think it's important to note that there were plenty of games where he wasn't able to suit up for the Falcons, and Calvin Ridley stepped up into that role in a major way. He is a dominant wide receiver, one of the more underappreciated receivers in this league, and I think that he is going to put together a great season for the Falcons. So if you're looking for someone in terms of fantasy that maybe isn't going to be your top of the line wide receiver you know, in round one, maybe he gets past round two in that round three range. I think he's definitely a great add. Could be could be a lot of fantasy value there. Uh, sad news, I just want to say rest in peace to Jim Fossil, former New York Giants coach, guaranteed the team make the playoffs. They went to Super Bowl. Very good coach in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, never got a second chance to get another head coaching job, which was surprising. But, uh, you know, his son, John Fossil, is, is a special teams coordinator in the league right now. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to him and uh, – there's just uh, you know a lot, of, a lot of players came out to to thank him and, and whatnot, uh, especially Michael Strahan, um, Tiki Barber, uh, Tiki Barber's replacement, Brandon Jacobs in the news as well. Michael saying he wants to come back this season to play defensive end. What do you think about that? I'm sure if he was defensive end in college, he would have been a monster, but he was a running back. One of the most unique runners we ever saw in, in the NFL. But what are you what are your expectations here for Brian Jacobs trying to, you know, make the NFL? I think maybe he'll could play in like some sort of spring league or something as a as a defensive end, but um not sure at this point he's gonna be able to, to make it in the NFL. Yeah, the age is obviously a concern and we'll see what happens. But you know, as a Saluki 
hometown guy. I'm from Carbondale. That's where Southern Illinois University is, where Brandon Jacobs was running the ball. I'm absolutely going to root for him. I'm going to, you know, sing to everyone that he's going to be a Hall of Fame defensive end. So Brandon Jacobs, edge one in the NFL, absolutely. Whoever gets him, getting a 20 sack guy. Giants uh, should sign him. They need, <laughs> they need a defensive end. Yeah. And he could still uh, wear his number 27. So I could take out his jersey <laughs> again. It won't be any issue. Absolutely. You know, I think he's got the size to do it, but I think at the same time, it is going to be a tough transition, especially with all the youth that's coming into the league. It's tougher. But at the same time, you know, we saw Tebow get his second chance, so maybe Jacobs can get one as well. We shall see. All it takes is the, the right people to believe in you, coach and GM-wise. Now, the disappointing news for the week is the NFL wants to have regular season games in Germany. So, well, the London games, the Germany games, we're going to have the Mexico games. The only city that makes sense to me is if you do games in Canada. I mean, I'm just, I'm so sick of this. So now the time difference in Germany, we're going to be waking up at like 7 a.m. to watch kickoff. I mean, if the NFL had it their way, they're going to have a 6 a.m. kickoff in Germany. Then they'll have 9 o'clock a.m. kickoff in London. 12 o'clock, we'll do the regular pregame show. 1 o'clock, football, 4 o'clock, football, and then 8 p.m., football on Sunday. And it'll be all-day football. To me, I don't like this, Michael. And I'm wondering what the players think about the fact that they're going to have to be doing so much international travel here. And what does this do to the competitive balance here as far as we already know each year one team is going to get an extra home game and an away game. Now you might be giving up one of your – home games to go play internationally. I never liked that in the first place, but now that could be a significant difference with the 17 game schedule. Yeah. Personally, the, uh, the main reason that I've had an issue with it is just because I have a terrible sleep schedule. I'll usually be waking up right at noon for the game. So, you know, when there was a 9am game, I usually try to wake up for it and then just end up falling asleep and just be mad at myself. But, you know, with Germany, hopefully I think it's seven hours ahead. So hopefully, you know, it's a night game in Germany, and then it's an afternoon game for the U.S. I think that's the best way to go about it. But, you know, we saw it with the London games where it's just early games of football. So we'll see what happens and what decision they make. It's definitely uh, going to be interesting to see what happens with scheduling and timing. Brutal. I mean, I remember I was working when I was working at Bleacher Report, we used to do the, the pregame show on Facebook Live, and the Giants were playing in London at 9 a.m., so I had to get to work extra early and – doing the work, doing the show while watching the, the game. It was just crazy. I just hate – and I used to hate – every time the Giants play, I hate have to wake up extra early on a Sunday to watch the game. So, we'll see what happens here with Germany. I'd much rather them, you know, do some stuff in Canada because I think if there was ever an NFL expansion, to me, Canada makes a lot more sense than having a team in London or Germany with the travel. Yeah, Toronto would be a wonderful city for a football team. I think it'd be extremely cool. But, you know, like you said, it seems like they would kind of lean towards a, a London team. Not sure how that would do just in terms of – Where are they going to put the London team in the AFC East? Like, I mean, yeah. it's just like a disaster. Yeah, and at the same time, there's going to be players that were prospects that would say, like, okay, I'm sorry, but I, I just don't want to go to London and spend most right. of my life there. Live in London. So, like, And you, that team would be very – struggle a bit time because even if they draft extremely well, you know, you got to convince somebody, a star quarterback to sign long-term to live in another country. 
Wouldn't be. Easy. And I mean, there's players that would love it, but at the same time, yeah, like we said, there's just players that wouldn't be interested in that, and it'd be hard to uh, just get that balance there because you already have the struggle of trying to build a good team, and then if there's team, uh, players that just aren't trying to move out of the country, then there's uh, right. there's going to be a tough aspect to that. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure the day will eventually come where London gets a franchise, and we'll see how long it lasts and how uh, how efficiently they do in terms of roster building and competitiveness. Yeah, I mean. I minimum you're talking six hour flight every week to go to a game. Um, and if you're going to go play the West turn division, <laughs> you're looking at a 12, 13 hour flight for a game. That's going to mess up practice and everything. Logistically, it doesn't make sense. Maybe business wise, they want to do it. But, you know, I think we're heading to it. I think at this point, we're going to be headed to where at some point here in the next two years, every single week, there's going to be an international game. It's going to be a new TV slot. Maybe it's on Amazon or whatever it is. They're going to make some money off of it. And it's just something we're going to have to unfortunately get used to as football fans. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility that's going to be on the table. And we could talk about all this all day, but we got to get going to the NFC West. And we're going to start out with the Arizona Cardinals after a disappointing end to last season that looked like it was on their way to playoffs. Kyler Murray gets hurt. They have to play John Skelton in the uh, – or was it – I think it was Chris Trevler. Sorry, not John Skelton. In the uh, in the game, and we end up seeing, you know, just the Cardinals lose their hopes. Chicago Bears end up making the playoffs instead. Now entering the next season, the Cardinals are back with A.J. Green added. Some help on the offensive line with Rodney Hudson, Kelvin Beecham back at right tackle. J.J. Watt added to this defensive line, saving Collins in the first round. Malcolm Butler at the cornerback position. Loss of Patrick Peterson, obviously not happy for Cardinals fans. But, Nick, you know, overall with this roster, what are your thoughts on the Arizona Cardinals as they look to really make that jump into a playoff team? Yeah, I think – I think this is like a 12-13 win team this year. I like everything they're doing. They're going in the right direction. You don't like Kingsbury too much or you're a little skeptical. But, I mean, if my, if Murray doesn't get hurt in that week week 17 game, they're in the playoffs. And I think they, they compete there. Murray is, is that good. He'll be an MVP candidate this season. He was really good last year. You know, they they signed J.J. Watt. If he could stay healthy, he's going to make an impact. I think A.J. Green's going to be good as well. And overall, I think the Cardinals are just headed in, in the right direction here, and I'm very high on them going to the season. Yeah, I think there's plenty of potential here. My big concern, though, is that a lot of these games that went against competitive teams, they weren't able to really show themselves as a legit competitive team. They do have some solid wins from last season. You know, they beat Seattle, they beat San Francisco week one, and they beat Buffalo on that Hail Mary to end it. But four of these wins came against the NFC East and I'm not trying to discredit the NFC East, but at the same time they were a lacking division last year. So we could see some issues in that regard. You know, the offense is supposed to be the strong suit of this team, but there were so many times where it seemed to get figured out. So Cliff needs to be a bit more innovative this season, really open up this offense a little bit more. Obviously Chase Edmonds in that backfield is going to be in for some big moments. James Conner added as the goal line back. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But at the same time, I think Cliff is definitely on the hot seat. And if they don't make the playoffs, then we could see Arizona looking to hire a new coach come this offseason. 
Michael, what do you what do you think? Is is Fitzgerald going to retire, or is he going to they going to work something after to come back, or can we possibly see him play elsewhere? I would assume Fitzgerald would retire, but at the same time, we haven't heard anything yet. Uh, ultimately, unsure what's going to happen if it's going to be for the Cardinals or for a new team. But it seems like Fitzgerald plans on playing. Now it's just kind of if anyone is open to bring him in, you know, it could be like a Brian Urlacher situation where. He ends up retiring a uh, Cardinal just because no other teams are interested in bringing him in. Uh, if I was the Steelers, I'd sign him. I think that'd be a great third option there. And obviously he went to college in Pittsburgh. I know he's 37, but look at his numbers. He's still producing and he's very clutch and he means a lot for a locker room. If I was the Cardinals, I know you got more, you know, you brought in green, but green gets hurt. And I mean, look at the Bucks. They have a million receivers. Just bring back Fitzgerald, work something out for at least one year. It'd be a shame to see Fitzgerald playing somewhere else. Another interesting landing spot could be Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he used to be a ball boy for them as a kid, so could very well end up an interesting situation. That wide receiver three spot kind of in question, Chad Beebe, Amir Smith-Marset, but there's no one really – Set in stone there as that wide receiver three, BC Johnson as well as an option, but Larry Fitzgerald there could add to that wide receiver room and really kind of fill in for that yeah. third wide receiver spot pretty well. And I think if any receiver on the Buccaneers gets hurt, I'm sure Fitzgerald <laughs> will be a Buccaneer. Absolutely. And, you know, even Kansas City Chiefs don't have the most filled out right. wide receiver. Sammy Watkins, they, he's gone. So I think they, they um, beyond Hill, they really are – they don't really – they're not going to say they're thin, but they're not very – they don't have a bunch of step pieces at the wide receiver position. Yeah, they could add a, a nice, reliable set of hands, and that's Fitzgerald. For the Arizona Cardinals, though, I think the big question mark is what's going to happen with that cornerback unit. You know, Byron Murphy is an established slot corner, and I think he's going to be very strong at that position. But at the outside cornerback spot, with Robert Alford, Darquez Dennard, and Malcolm Butler, also Tay Goen added in the draft, as well as Marco Wilson. There's a lot of inexperience with those last two rookies, and then there's some veterans that maybe aren't up to the prime that they used to be playing in. So for this Cardinals team, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to pass rush. Chandler Jones obviously gets a lot of love. J.J. Watt should be able to contribute so long as he's healthy. They've added some very nice young defensive line pieces. Do you think that the front seven of this team – can add enough in terms of pressures and, you know, production to really help out this cornerback unit overcome maybe their shortcomings as an overall skill unit. Yeah, I think between Marcus Golden, who they reacquired midseason, and J.J. Watt, there should be a lot of pressure uh, to the quarterback, which will help the secondary out big time. The question mark is just how healthy are these guys going to be? We, we see J.J. Watt miss like 10 games a year. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to say maybe the uh, the Arizona heat helps J.J. Watt's body stay a little healthier. Uh, defense is certainly the, the concern with this franchise, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And, you know, the big question marks are going to be surrounding the young linebackers. Isaiah Simmons had a little bit of a struggle going out of the gates as a rookie started to come on a little bit stronger as he was more used in a chess piece versatile role with the Arizona Cardinals. Zayvon Collins, kind of similar situation, kind of a versatile piece in that linebacker unit. Do you think that while it's young, 
the linebacker core for this team could be a strength of the Cardinals as they head into the 2021 season. Yeah, I thought last year Simmons was the the guy that a lot of teams should have drafted defensively, especially the Giants. Like you mentioned, play them all over, and now they kind of duplicate that with an absolute freak in Xavier Collins, who can cover, you know, cover fast guys, and he can bless our. Those two guys are okay, and I think. Their linebacking core is going to just grow together here, mesh together, and it's going to be very dynamic for years to come. I think I think Collins is going to have a tremendous season. Yeah, I, I really have high expectations for both linebackers. I think Simmons' struggles out the gate was due to kind of trying to pigeonhole him into a linebacker spot only, allowing him to be this versatile weapon, allowing him to really have free reign and really moving around the field using his versatility to his advantage is going to be absolutely huge. And if Vance Joseph continues to build on that, then Simmons will probably not only be talked about as a great young player, but just a great linebacker and one of the best in the league, because I think he has that much talent. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely looking forward to seeing those two play together. So we look at the schedule for the Cardinals and things aren't necessarily easy as week one, they go against the Tennessee Titans with newly acquired Julio Jones and week two, they go against the Minnesota Vikings Week three, they're at Jacksonville playing against Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Week four, they're at Los Angeles Rams. And week five, they play the San Francisco 49ers. Nick, not the easiest of first five games, but also not maybe the ultimate death sentence. What are your expectations for those first five weeks? and How crucial is it for the Cardinals to really get out on top after those first five games? Yeah, they got to start fast. Uh, Last year, they started fast and they kind of – you know, went through a lull and kind of killed them. So from the Cardinals here, I'm thinking I can go five and up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go five and oh. I know, you know, there's some playoff teams there. For week one, they're playing the Titans, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I think Tannehill's going to be adjusting to having Julio Jones. He's going to be trying to force him the ball and figuring out how's that all going to work. So, you know, I think that's going to be more of an, and that's, a, that's an offense game there, which is perfect for the Cardinals because, Defense is a little bit of a question mark. We know the Titans' defense was not that good last year. Week two, the Vikings, you know, they're pretty evenly matched, and so to say, but the Vikings have their question marks as well. And, you know, in, in, the, in, these, in these close games, I'm going to go with the best player, and that's Kyler Murray. So I would say advantage there. Jaguars, they'll be better than last year, but they're not going to be that good off the bat here. Maybe Tebow gets a few touchdowns, but – Cardinals are going to win that game. And then they got the Rams. I know you are very high on the Rams this year at Stafford. Uh, I'm not as high on them. So give it that for now. And then the same thing with the 49ers. You could be looking at Trey Lance here in week five uh, in October. So, you know, that, that would indicate to me maybe the 49ers weren't playing so well. So first five, I think, they're, I think all games are winnable. Um, but there, of course, there, there's no easy, easy games in the NFL. Yeah, I think all games are definitely winnable. I think that week one matchup, like you said, is going to be a lot of offense for both sides. DeAndre Hopkins versus Julio. Kyler Murray versus Tannehill. So ultimately, it's going to come down to what happens in terms of production. And I think that the Cardinals could very easily come out on top in that one. Minnesota is another tough game. I think both teams are both missed playoffs, but both obviously had a lot of talent to potentially be there, probably disappointing that they weren't there. So 
this could be another big game where both teams have a lot to prove. Jacksonville, I think they should be able to win that one fairly easily. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great QB. At the same time, I think there's going to be a little bit of a rebuilding process there still as they get acclimated to the NFL. That Rams game is absolutely huge because all four of these teams could realistically win the division. So when you get into these divisional matchups, and especially that first one, you're really trying to prove yourself as the top dog in the division. I think the favorite right now just – Playing it safe would be Seattle just because they always seem to be one or two. But at the same time, you know, I don't think anyone would be shocked if the Cardinals won the division. I don't think anyone would be shocked if the Rams won the division. I don't think anyone would be shocked if the 49ers won the division. So anyone is able to take this division this year just because of how talented all the teams are. So first game against the Rams, absolutely huge. Can they come out and win that one? If they are able to take that, then I think they can continue on and take that one against San Fran. You know, if they can come out of this five-game stretch, three and two, four and one, they're definitely on the right track, and I think they can definitely build towards that or build on that to have a strong overall season in 2021. And after that, they get a little bit tougher with the Cleveland Browns. Then they get a probably easy game against the Houston Texans. Then they play Green Bay, San Francisco again, Carolina, Seattle, and then they get a bye week. Nick, 11 games before that bye week, some games that should be able to be won, some games that maybe are going to be quite tough in a potential playoff matchup. What are your expectations for those first 11 games, and what record do you think they should be trying to get heading into that bye week that would have them on course to make playoffs? Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, 11 straight weeks to go to start the season. Um, I think that they are probably going to be – around eight wins in that in the first 11 weeks. So if they're eight and three going into the bye, I think, I think they're going to be set up for success for the end of the season. Yeah, definitely would be a great start for them. After the bye week, they go against Chicago Bears, where we would probably assume Justin Fields is going to be at QB for them. Another Monday night matchup against the Los Angeles Rams at home. And then they play Detroit Lions, Indianapolis Colts at Dallas Cowboys and finish off the season against the Seattle Seahawks. You know, obviously there are plenty of games that could be toss-ups, but if you were talking about just performance-wise expectations as a Cardinal fan, what do you think the expectation is as they enter this 2021 season? Yeah, I think you're looking at double-digit wins and, and making the playoffs. I think that's that's what you want to see. And I think you, you're looking for Kyler Murray to continue to be electric and – Give him the chance in the playoffs to see what he can do, and, and good things will happen there. Like I mentioned, I think Murray is going to be in contention for most of the season for the MVP award. Yeah, I think that's what you want to see is just continue growth out of Murray. You want to see great games, obviously, but you want to see the Cardinals on top in those big matchups. You know, if they can pull a win against a team like Cleveland, against a team like Green Bay, one just some of those bigger games against the bigger teams, you want to see those victories come in and really benefit what the Cardinals are building towards, I think that would give you enough faith both in Cliff and this team as a contender to where they could potentially make some noise come playoff time. And, you know, one of the teams that is going to be competing with them the most, Los Angeles Rams, added Matthew Stafford this offseason, had some pieces on the way out as well, but still plenty of talent surrounding this roster, added Deshaun Jackson into the wide receiver room, have some – New additions in on the defense with 
Bobby Brown, the third in the draft, as well as some young safeties now getting a full-time role with John Johnson on his way out. Nick, you know, we're kind of maybe not opposite ends. You don't think the Rams are going to be terrible, but you're not as sold on the Rams in this Matthew Stafford era as I am. Right. What are your hesitations with the team? To me, it's you know, I, just because you, know, you get Matthew Stafford, I think they're going to try to change the offense too much. Whereas I think this is an instance where you got to go with the, the coach's system because it, it, it has worked. You've seen it successfully work. Defense, uh, you know, some missing pieces, but my hesitation really is, you know, trusting the fact that Matt Stafford is going to stay healthy. And I just, I'm wondering, you know, how the chemistry is going to be built here in year one. Um, it's very rare when we see a quarterback go to a new team and year one lead into a division, division title. Just doesn't happen that much. I think Peyton Manning was the last guy to do with the Broncos. Um, you know, you saw Kirk Cousins, he had success with the Vikings, but they didn't win the division. So uh, I just think it's, you know, it's tough to, to come in right away in, in your first offseason and, you know, come in there and, you know, lead your team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's certainly going to have some growing process, I think. Uh, ultimately, I think that what Stafford brings isn't necessarily going to be a passing game where you're just completely depending on him for this offense to flow. I think that he opens up the offense enough, though, to where Cam Akers could be in for a huge season in year two. I think Stafford does the job well enough to where those plays where you saw Goff kind of miss out on reads because he was handling, looking down at the offensive line to make sure that there was no pressure coming in or just overall ball delivery on some of the deeper throws that maybe Goff wasn't able to hit. I think Stafford is absolutely able to do this wide receiver unit is extremely talented with guys like Woods, Cup, and Jackson. And Van Jefferson is good as well. I'm not as high on Atwell, but I think he's able to take the top off as a deep threat. Tyler Higby, a very solid wide receiver, or tight end, I mean. And then, you know, you look at this defense, and it's just been dominant over the years with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Things almost come off as easy for the rest of these guys on the defense to just kind of produce. So, personally, I have really high expectations for this Rams team. I think McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think Nick, you share similar sentiments still there Absolutely. in that regard. Absolutely. So while uh, there's definitely I mean, question marks. Yeah, I, 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 say, I don't think the Rams are going to be bad. They're going to be very good. I just don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and especially if Stafford goes down early, then it is all for Wash. It's an issue that would kind of make that trade not worth it. But if they can take advantage of this window they have now with Stafford, then I think they are absolutely – one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. And for the schedule, things aren't too bad. Week one against the Chicago Bears. Week two at the Indianapolis Colts. Week three against Tampa Bay. Week four against the Arizona Cardinals. And week five against Seattle. All four of those teams, I think, are very much playoff teams. And Chicago was a playoff team last year. I do think that these are games that are going to be good for the Rams long term because you can kind of – match up against some of these teams. The Rams were able to beat the Bucks last year in the regular season with Stafford. Maybe things continue on that path and maybe put them over the Bucks in the NFC picture. The Indianapolis Colts and Chicago Bears are going to be having new quarterbacks. Arizona and Seattle, we talked about it with Arizona kind of it's just those divisional matchups that really it's it's like two unstoppable forces just running right into each other and it's just we'll see what happens. But Nick in those first five games, what do you think it's 
is important for the Rams to do in order to really be on the right path. Yeah, I mean, they got to come out and smack the Bears week one. That's got some, that's pretty important right there. Then you're going to the Colts. Colts have a, an elite defense. So you're going to Indianapolis. It's, it's in the Dome. So that's going to be a tough matchup there. So it's, it's very important to kind of beat the Bears. Buck's going to be tough. And then basically what you can do, Michael, looking at this whole division, with all these division matchups, you could just come in here and say every team's going to split every game with all of their teams. So you could basically say right there, there's three wins, three losses. That's how close this division is. That's why I don't think I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a team like running out of the division. Nobody's going to win 14, 15 games here. I think they're going to be all jumbled up very close, and that and they're all going to be in play for the playoffs. I think it's absolutely a possibility. After that five-game stretch, they go against the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, Lions. Houston, Texas. I'm circling that Lions game, Michael. The return <laughs> of Jared Goff. I think he's going to be tremendous. Yeah, should be very interesting. Then they play the Tennessee Titans and San Francisco. Those first 10 games before the bye, that next five stretch is definitely a little bit lighter than that first five. Do you think that you know it's a nice chance to recoup anything that they lost in the first five games and really – establish themselves as a playoff team in the NFC? Is that the big window of opportunity for the Rams? Yeah, they really got to take advantage of, you know, the Giants, you don't know what they're going to be this year with Daniel Jones. Giants, you know, played very well against the Rams last year. Though. But they need to beat the Lions, of course. They got to take care of business with the Texans. And then from there, it's just like, all playoff teams, um, you know, for or playoff caliber teams for the next three weeks. So, got to got to take advantage there. Uh, I think they probably looking at you know like five or six wins in that first ten. And then after the bye week, Green Bay Packers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Arizona Cardinals. Then they play Seattle for the second time. Go against the Minnesota Vikings. Baltimore Ravens, and then 49ers for the final time. You know, not the easiest of schedules for the Rams, but there's still plenty to like about their roster and overall talent that they bring. So if you are a Rams fan or just speaking from the perspective of the Rams, what are your expectations as we head into the season? If I was a Rams fan, I got to be thinking, we got Stafford, we should be winning the Super Bowl. I should be agreeing with Michael Rockman's Super Bowl prediction here. Uh, that's my prediction here as far as, you know, if I'm a Rams fan, what I'm looking for. Um, I personally think they're probably like a 10-7 and 7 team this season. Personally, for me, I, I really do think that this is a legit team. I think they can possibly run away with the NFC West, not necessarily win it by like four games, five games, but I think they can establish themselves as a top team in that division and make themselves – really the favorite as we head into the playoffs. I'm looking at 13 and four for this record. Definitely a tough schedule, but I think the possibility is there. I think, you know, the regular season is one of the most jumbled messes sometimes. And while a team like Tampa Bay may very much be a contender, I think they're going to have some games where they come out a little bit flat in the regular season. And I think for a team like Los Angeles, where maybe there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder of Stafford, non McVay, they come out a little bit harder and really try to win this regular season overall and get that one seed in the NFC. We shall see. It'll be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be the reverse of the opposite of the NFC East in, in 2020. It's going to be really great football. 
And for a team that is bringing in another new quarterback, the San Francisco 49ers still have their QB from last year and Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Trey Lance added with the number three pick. They have some new running back talent with Trey Sermon added to that uh, running back room. The wide receiver unit helping to be healthy. Offensive line adds Alex Mack. You know, there's plenty of potential when it comes to this 49ers team. The big question mark, I think, is people wondering what's going to happen with Sala no longer there for that secondary and just overall defense. And with the defense at cornerback losing Richard Sherman, do you think the 49ers are capable of being a NFC West contending team despite maybe the transitional year that seems to be happening with Trey Lance being drafted? I think if if I'm in the locker room, I want to I want to I'm going to hope that my coaches play Jimmy Garoppolo the whole season because I think this team's getting older and the the clock's going to start ticking real soon on Shanahan, so that's why he might say I'm going to go to Lance now. But if they want to win this year, I truly believe that Garoppolo gives them the best chance to win this season. Okay, we know Lance is going to play next year, but I think you got to have Garoppolo in there first 10 weeks, see what happens. Like, he's going to give him the best chance to win. As you mentioned, there's a lot of things, a lot of, you know, they lose LaFleur, who was one of uh, the assistant coaches on offense there. He's, he's, with, he's with Salah now, who left for the Jets. Sherman, I don't think that's a huge loss, but there's a lot of question marks here. You know, Bose is coming back, but he's off a really gruesome injury. So this team, you know, they a lot they were they really just hung in there last year because of how good the defense was. You know, we'll see how how they are with the new coordinator in there. For the schedule for the 49ers, they played Detroit week one, Philadelphia week two, Green Bay week three, and Seattle week four. Then they get Arizona week five. You know, not the easiest of first five games, but those first two I think are very winnable. What is interesting though is after that, they get their week six bye week for a kind of younger team, you know, with pieces like Nick Bosa, pieces like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, obviously. You know, this may not be the best of bye weeks to have one so early, especially with the older offensive line where you're really trying to keep these guys rested. Do you think that's something that could come back to really hurt them later on in the season? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, extra game as well. And, you know, with the bye week coming so early, you know, I wonder, Michael, is that like a set deadline there for when you think they make the move to Trey Lance? Yeah, and it's certainly possible. Those three games against, you know, Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona are going to be tough. But after that, things don't necessarily get easier. Indianapolis Colts in week seven, Chicago Bears in week eight, Arizona again in week nine, and the Los Angeles Rams in week 10. After that, they go on to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Week 17 against the Houston Texans, and then Week 18 they finish up against the Los Angeles Rams. You know, at what point in this season do you think we see Trey Lance potentially become the QB if if we do know, like if we're saying with certainty he's going to be the starter eventually this season? I think the best – yeah, it depends on how they're doing. But to me, you know, if I'm walking through the future here, the best spot is to put him in there against the Bengals December 12th and let him play the last five games of the season. Because that's – got the Bengals, probably an easy matchup for the most part. 
you don't want to throw him in there first uh, to get killed by the Seahawks uh, or you know you know or or any division team really. So you're looking at because you could put him in there against the the Bears, but you got to you get a taste on the calls and and the the Niners. Um, Jaguars in November is another possibility, but I, I personally would probably target, if I was going to make the move at all, December, the end of the season, when they're taking on the Bengals and finish off first the Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, and last but not least, the Rams could be, you know, win four, four games in a row there to start his career. Yeah, I think that's definitely a nice landing spot if he is going to start later in the season. I think the interesting case for this situation is that Jimmy's a fine quarterback. The really big issue for Jimmy Garoppolo is just health. If he was healthy last year, 49ers probably are not in a spot to get up and get their QB of the future. So really kind of interesting situation in that regard because, you know, this team was in the Super Bowl. Then they had injuries everywhere last year. And now they're back with a lot of the same guys on this roster and a QB of the future. So we don't know how the season's going to turn out for the 49ers. You kind of assume because they have a rookie QB in place that maybe they're going to underperform maybe, but at the same time, there's there's still plenty of talent on this roster that could get them into that Super Bowl. Well, not Super Bowl, but playoff contention, and that would make the situation of what's going to happen with Trey Lance very interesting. It could be similar to when the Chiefs were making the playoffs but still had Mahomes in the wings and waiting. So don't be surprised if, like Nick has sort of implied, we don't see Trey Lance this year uh, much more than maybe like an end of the game or end of the season type game where they want to see just what they have out of him. But those last five games, I think would be a nice opportunity. You get four games against some questionable secondaries, and then you go against the Rams, which is obviously tough, but at the same time, it's a nice kind of prove it final game and final test for Trey Lance as he heads into the off season. So overall though, record wise expectation, if you are a 49er fan, what are you, kind of setting yourself up for as the season comes into play? I think uh, – <laughs> I, I really don't know. I can't get a great read in the 49ers here. I think there's too many question marks, in my opinion, to, to think this team is a playoff team. If I am a 49ers fan, I'm expecting – we make the move to Trey Lance. He's the, the best quarterback, like Justin Herbert last year. They go to the playoffs. They go to the Super Bowl. That's what the 49ers fans are probably thinking here. But to me, I think this team is looking at seven wins or eight wins as a seal this season. Yeah, it's a weird situation, and it kind of depends on what really happens. You know, if Jimmy Garoppolo starts all year, then you're saying, okay, we need to be a playoff team. Let's see what we have. Let's see, you know, the defense continue to be dominant. But if Trey Lance plays, your expectations maybe get lower in terms of the – overall record but at the same time your expectations probably get higher out of the QB position in terms of what you want to see in terms of potential so if Trey Lance is your starter maybe less expectation on wins and more expectation on shown potential but if Jimmy's the starter all season then you're looking for more wins and you're looking to see this team make the playoffs while Trey Lance waits in the wings so you know it's going to be a hard season especially with the division as talented as it is but I think if you're a 49ers fan you can have some high expectations but I think the most important thing is just make sure that this team is healthy because last year was just devastating all the injuries that they were having to deal with. And it really held them back from being a competitive team all season long. Certainly. We'll say to me, I think, I think this is going to be the, 
the worst team in the division. I think that's that's probably where I'm predicting it as well. And, you know, it's it's tough because I think the 49ers have plenty of talent to be a top team in football, but it's just a weird situation with making it the move for your rookie QB. You know, things could kind of have lower lower results on the scoreboard, and I, it's weird. I, I feel like we both are in the same boat where it's like we like this 49ers roster, we like this 49ers team, but it's just weird to think that they would be like this very dominant or very competitive team in a year where they're kind of looking to move on to the next QB in place. I mean, somebody's got to come in last, right, Michael? I think yeah, last, exactly. place, last place in this division is like – is at minimum the same record as second place in the NFCs. <laughs> and we got one last team to talk about in the NFC West with not too much time to do it, so we're going to speed through it a little bit. The Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, ends up remaining a Seahawk as plenty expected. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett back as one of the best duos at wide receiver in the NFL. Dwayne Eskridge added in the draft. Chris Carson looking to be healthy out of the running back spot. The offensive line adds Gabe Jackson. And then you look at the defensive side of things. Carlos Dunlap in year two with the Seahawks. They add Kerry Hyder Jr. to the edge position as well. They have Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks looking to take those next steps. They add Akella Witherspoon and look to really see what Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs can do out of that safety spot. Adams, obviously, in year two as a Seahawk. You know, I feel like the Seattle Seahawks every year kind of get this narrative, oh, they're going to slip a little bit, fall off, and just miss the playoffs. But every year they're competitive, one of the better teams in the NFC, and are one of the higher seeds when it comes to it. Do you think that this year they continue that, or do you think that they're a team that may be on the outside looking in? Uh, it's going to be close. I think they'll make it in just because they usually do, but I think they're looking at the seventh seed this season. Um, they are, they're a good team. They're going to, they're going to be right there at the top going for the division. <clears throat> this is just me because I, I truly believe that the Cardinals Rams and the car, the Cardinals Rams and the Seahawks, they're all going to be going for first place. I think they're all going to be within a game of each other. And then someone's just going to fall. And then one of them's going to get the wild card one. The other one's going to fall a wild card too. And they could be a wild card team when they could have won 10 or 11 games. I think, I think it's possible. That's, that's the direction I see things headed for the Seahawks this season. As the schedule rolls out, they play the Indianapolis Colts week one, Tennessee Titans week two, Minnesota Vikings week three, San Francisco week four and Los Angeles week five. You know, we've talked about it for all these NFC West teams that those NFC West games are definitely going to be hard to come by in terms of victories. Those other games, though, aren't necessarily easy. Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Minnesota in those first three weeks. What are your expectations for those first five games for the Seattle Seahawks? And how important is it that they come out with a winning record out of them? Yeah, I mean, just to keep pace for everybody in the division, it's going to be important to come out with a winning record. But I mean, it's not an easy schedule. We'll, we'll see what happens with the Colts with Carson Wentz. I'm sure I'll be nervous that first game, home game too. So I'll give the advantage to the Seahawks there. Then they're playing the Titans. We'll see what we got out of the Titans. You know, they got their first week jitters out of the way with Julio Jones. So they'll regroup. They'll be ready to go. The Vikings, to me, I like the Vikings a lot this season. Um, I, I think they can contend for the playoffs. And I think if for some reason Aaron Rodgers is in play, I think the Packers uh, – are not going to be the favorites in the division. I think the Vikings would be. 
49ers, you know, we just talked about it. We either win a lot of these games, but I give the advantage to the Seahawks. And then that big battle there in week five, Seahawks-Rams. It's going to be huge, huge game. Yeah, absolutely. The Seahawks start out the season 5-0 and last year. Definitely a tougher challenge this year with the schedule ahead. After those fi- first five, they play Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. Plenty of question marks in terms of teams there. And then a bye week, week nine. After that, they play the Green Bay Packers, Arizona Cardinals, and Washington football team. Week 13, they play the San Francisco 49ers again. Then week 14, they go on a small road trip at Houston. Week 15, at Los Angeles. Week 16 and 17, they're home against Chicago and Detroit. And week 18, they finish up the season at the Arizona Cardinals. If you are setting expectations for the Seattle Seahawks team as a fan of the Seahawks, what are you looking for to really see out of this roster as they approach the 2021 season? I think what you really want to see is Seahawks fan. Obviously, you want to see your team make the playoffs, but you want to see Russell Wilson be on the same page here as the offensive coordinator and Pete Carroll. You want to make sure that you got Russell Wilson here for many years to come because if they lose Russell Wilson, this team is done. They're going to be in a dark space for quite some time here. And you just want to make sure that above all this year, other than the playoffs, is that Russell Wilson is happy at the end of this season. Yeah, I think, you know, this is a team that has the talent to contend, but we've just kind of seen them come out flat in these you know playoff performances over the past few years. If you are a Seattle Seahawks fan, you know, you want to see the Seattle team really remain consistent. I feel like last year we saw it where they started out strong, you know, had some inconsistencies midseason and then finished right. strong. Everyone was saying the playoffs oh, and just came out flat. Right. Everyone's saying through the first five weeks, Seahawks are going to be the one seed. Wilson's going to be MVP. And then, you know, things happen. It seems like this is the story every year with the Seahawks. And you mentioned the playoffs. There's always bad play calling in the playoffs for the Seahawks. And it just seems like the defense just can't hold it together these, these last few years. Yeah, and, you know, high expectations are certainly reasonable with the Seahawks. There's plenty to love about this team. I think, personally, they're still an 11-12 win team with the 17-game season. If you were ranking the NFC West, what would you say, one through four, what are your expectations for predictions for the upcoming season before we get out of here? Yeah, I think this is going to shock you, but I'm going to go Cardinals, number one. I think the Rams and Seahawks will have identical records. So they'll be two and three. I don't know what the tiebreaker will be there for, you know, the playoffs. So 11 or 10 wins there. Um, I think the Cardinals would finish just one game ahead. And I think the four Niners will be in last. Yeah, I think I'm similar. I have number one, Los Angeles Rams. I think they're a Super Bowl contender. Number two, Seattle Seahawks. Not necessarily out of the contention window for me. I think there's potential. Number three, Arizona Cardinals. I think they're going to be fighting for that playoff spot. We'll see what happens. I think they are a playoff team, but there could be some slippage. And number four, San Francisco 49ers, very much still a competitive team, and we'll see what happens with that season ahead with Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and just this overall roster, if they can stay healthy. But that's all we got for you here on Destination Draft Day. We want to thank everyone so much for coming in and watching us. We want to thank Landry Football for the platform. We're going to get out of here, so everyone have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Take care. See you.